Hello and welcome to episode five of the weekly general meeting podcast, a showcase for established and emerging Irish creative talent with Neil Conlon and me, Shane Langan. On this week's show, comedy from Andrea Farrell, poetry from Colin Keegan and villagers Conor O'Brien gives us his top five tips. First up is one of our favourite emerging Irish comedians. She was a finalist at last year's RTE New Comedy Awards and we were very pleased indeed when she dropped in to perform for us. This is Andrea Farrell. Hi. Hello. Um, I just have a... I think I should say that before I begin the comedy, um, (laughs) anything... Anything that I, I like to give myself a theme before every comedy gig. A lot of people just go up and say what they want, but the theme I picked for tonight was things that made me laugh while I was on the toilet, um, looking out the curtainless window at the School of English that is across the road from my apartment, and wondering. Can they see me as clearly as I can see them? <laughs> We're all learning something, I suppose. I mean, they're... They're learning um, a new language, and I'm learning that I probably should avoid wheat. Um, okay, okay, I'll start now. Um, hello. My name's, um, my name's Andrea Farrell. Um, I'm usually part of a double act called Accident and Emergency. So it's a bit weird being on stage or on the floor on my own. Um, I wouldn't bother Googling us or anything. <laughs> because you'll just find a link to your nearest hospital. And although they say that laughter is the best medicine, when you're actually sick, medicine is in fact the best medicine. There was a time before when a friend of mine had chlamydia. And if I'm honest with you, the antibiotics that she got from the doctor cleared it up a lot faster than the big laugh I had about it. (laughs) Um, Belated Valentine's Day to everyone, I suppose. Um, Are there any couples here? Okay, well, when I was preparing, I thought that there would be a lot of couples here, so... I'm going to play on with that. Um, for years, Valentine's Day drifted by for me. Not this year. This year I took notice of it. Not because I was romantically involved or anything, but because a neighbour of mine, for his fiance, he got her a hot tub. Um, I don't live in an area where a hot tub is appropriate to have. Some of you might be familiar with the area in which I live. It's called... Ireland. (laughs) Um, I got a review once that said that Andrea is not afraid of awkward silences both on the stage and in the audience. 100% correct. Um, I I think that when you see a girl on the bus... Um, and it's pretty obvious to everyone what she's been up to the night before when she has, you know, hair extensions kind of half in, half out. Um, makeup like a panda, but a, a sexy panda. And she's wearing a pair of jeans that are clearly belong to a man. 
I think it's wrong to, to assume that she has had a, a one-night stand. I think she just could be a very arrogant slimmer of the year. Constantly, just constantly wearing those trousers as a reminder never to go back. Um, I got I got Netflix there recently, um, but instead of actually watching the programs, I've been just going through all the algorithms and imagining what it would be like to watch some some old TV shows backwards. So that was really worth seven ninety nine a month. Um, I think the biggest one was Baywatch. I think if you watch Baywatch backwards, it's it's horrifying. Because it's about a bunch of rogue, sexy lifeguards who really, they, ju they just drag weak swimmers <laughs> from the beach <laughs> into the water. Um, they kind of thrash around a bit and then they, they leave them there <laughs> and then they go back to their hut and they just kind of watch them die. <laughs> um, I think if you watch Benjamin Button backwards, it's still not a great film. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just leave with uh, some dating advice for anyone who is in a relationship. Um, I was going out with someone there a few years ago. I, yeah, that was a relationship, I think. Um, uh, I, at the time, I wasn't assertive enough. He had very bad breath. Um, at the time, I wasn't assertive enough to let him know. I think I was just kind of happy to be there, I think. Mm. But the only thing I really could do uh, was constantly suggest group activities like, hey, let's brush our teeth. <laughs> um, or, what do you think is the record for the amount of chewing gums one man <laughs> can put in his mouth? Come on, Dave, let's give it a, let's give it a go. I mean, or anybody, that could be anybody's name. <clears throat> Thanks very much, I've been Dre Farrell. Colin Keegan is the co-founder of the much-loved show Nighthawks at the Cobalt Cafe in Dublin. He's performed at spoken word festivals all around the world, and in 2010, he was crowned All-Ireland Slam Poetry Champion. In short, he's a WGM favourite and one of the finest poets in Dublin today. This is Colin Keegan. How's it going? Is this on? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, anyway, this is a poem, and it's about Ireland. And it's, I wrote it a few years ago when the wheels were falling off the economy, and uh, the kind of wheels are still off the economy, so it's still relevant, I think. And I know Neil likes the poem. He actually paid me a tenner to make a poster of it. Did you make that poster, Neil? No. Okay, right. Who are you going to? Yeah. <laughs> Right, so this is called Ireland Is, and um, yeah, it kind of summed up how I felt about Ireland back then. When the IMF were kind of, the government was saying, oh, the IMF never heard of them, there's nothing wrong here, carry on, you know, and uh, everything was kind of going a bit astray. And um, I kind of just, 
I knew that we had a certain idea of ourselves, but it wasn't really what we were in. I just kind of threw everything into the melting pot. It's kind of a list poem, Ireland is. So Ireland is an on-the-road machine. It's existentially frightening out there. It's got alloyed wheels and tinted windows. It can tear you limb from limb or stop and offer you a lift. Ireland is so far gone from Joyce's Dublin, but still full of the dead and snow. Upon quickly snorted cocaine breaths we go. Ireland is a badly bred, famine-stricken, flea-bitten jalopy of a piebald horse galloping down O'Connell Street. Ireland is Q Cullen with a holy, gunning off his fucking head on creatine, punching the face off the referee before sticking him in the boot with sectarianism and it disappeared. Ireland is turning og, ushering, saying, don't, cause a saddle broke. Vikings raving on Woodkey Hill, monks driving Humvees through round towers they built. St. Patrick standing with his fire on the mound saying, Honestly, though, lads, that money was just resting in my account. <laughs> Ireland is English, whether it likes or not, because it's laughing at Newsweek, mock the week, choking on MS field and drooling all over its new Debenhams top. Ireland is a Glock pointed at someone's son or a Christian brother or its own mother because she won't move into the nursing home. Ireland is a copper who looks like Brendan Gleeson and into the West in a chopper. He'll put heroin in your hands and say, Grand so, thanks for the fingerprints. Don't let the coffin door hitch on the way out after you hang yourself with your shoelaces. Ireland is a teen brain, new age lap dancer. Getting drunk, getting chlamydia to solve from too much unprotected Facebook and down the bar ends of a ghost estate searching for Fox Rock. Ireland is veins, butterfat, with broadband and self-hatred, caught in the loop of a money-shot lasso, a faux-hawked, Pentecostal iconoclast yahoo, a lawyer, in flames, in denial, in the X-Factor final of bullshit, Jerry Adams kisses Barbara Streisand, Bertie Hearn on-screen crying, suicide, alcoholics, junkies, gunmen, dying and dying and dying. And it's all so fucking electrifying. Because we're fumbling blind. We've no idea what we're doing. We've no idea where we're going. And we're almost there. Thank you. Thanks. So, I feel the need to explain uh, one of the lines in there about Jerry Adams kissing Barbara Streisand, because uh, me mate said to me, that's too surreal, take that line out, it makes no sense. And it was like, it happened. Like, Jerry Adams was doing, there was a documentary about him, and he's walking down the road, or down in the hotel after some talk he was giving in the States, and he was like, you're not walking down talking to the, eedle, eedle, doodle, doodle, like, you know, and they're all following along behind him with the cameras and all, and uh, the lift opens, and Barbara Streisand's in the lift, and she goes, ah, oh, Jerry, how's it going? Mwah, mwah. They're like, they're mates, you know. <laughs> it's mad. And uh, she was like, you know, like he's probably one of the most famous Irishmen, which is nuts, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so anyway, that's why that line is there. Okay, thanks very much. Conor O'Brien is the man behind the hugely successful Villagers, with whom he has twice been nominated for the Mercury Music Prize, for his 2010 debut album Becoming a Jackal and 2013's Awayland. He very kindly popped into Neil's flat a few weeks back to give us his top five tips. So the very first thing I thought was, um, if you're doing something creative, the thing that makes you different is the one thing that you should develop one thing you should follow and and I think a lot of people make the mistake of and I made the mistake of trying to follow the thing that made me sound like I was fitting in to the general trends of the time or whatever but um I found that when when I was happiest with what I'd done it was the stuff that uh when I sort of let my more freakish aspects of my personality or my more obsessive 
parts of, you know, stuff that you would usually hide in everyday life or in everyday um, parlance. Uh, and to put that into your songs or in the things that you make is something I think that's quite uh, good for the creative process. And so, yeah, the difference, the thing, the thing that makes you different from other people is like a, a big deal for me. And so embrace that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's funny how, like, in music in particular, like, we, we definitely found that at the start and did it, did the thing that we were expected to do. Mm. Had a lot of bad advice, but ultimately it's still your own responsibility to go, well, this may sound terrible and this may not be the thing you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think also, I think a lot of that comes from the fear of messing up. And I think one of the main things is to not be afraid to completely fuck up stuff and to, like, go to a place where... Um, you haven't, you didn't think you were going to go there, but it might be terrible at the end, but at least you've gotten something out of it. And maybe a year or two later, you'll realize what you learned from that, you know, and that'll develop something new or a new song or a new whatever you're doing at the time. Um, so fear is like an enemy, I think. I think once you can break the wall of fear, then, then you're going into interesting, exciting places, you know. Yeah, I think... Um, it's very cliched, but I think the DIY thing is one of the most important things, especially now, like doing everything yourself and not waiting around for somebody else to do it for you. Um, because I think if you become... I mean, obviously a lot of people have jobs and they have other things they need to do, but if you're completely obsessed with something, you'll always find the time, you know, to, to develop your art or your or your creativity or your music or anything that you're doing um, and I think if you're truth, truthfully obsessed with that and you, and you put it out there as much as possible um, it will be noticed you know it will be and it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter where when or by who but it, it'll get out there and it'll have an audience and I think you just need to do it and don't worry about um, getting it to the right people like quote unquote or any of this stuff at the beginning just, just push it out there put it up on the web put it up yeah anywhere and eventually stuff will come around to you I've, I've sort of learned that I mean being prolific is a really important thing and um, I think when you when you when you do it for yourself it's 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 even it's even better you know I think I think also if you make art and you're making it for your own headspace and your own um, even even your own mental health like if you're actually using it as a form of therapy that can actually be a good thing too you know because Everybody has the same problems, you know. Everybody, there are different variations of it, but it's a, uh, it's all the same thing, you know. We're all in this kind of, in this, uh, in this shithole together. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that was about four points. <laughs> That's really nice. Find the time to do what you love, and if you're obsessed with something, do it. Oh, that's really nice. Thanks. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like because like, like people that have jobs are don't get an opportunity to write as much as they want or paint or draw or make things as much as they want to. I mean, it's important to know that, you know, just because it's not ticking the boxes that you might have mm. preconceived notions about doesn't mean it's not valid. Yeah, I found myself going down these really bad, deep, dark holes where I haven't really written or been creative for months and months and months purely because of what I think the expectations of other people are for what I need to do and, and I'm listening to a lot of criticisms of what I'm of you know whether that just be criticisms from your your brother or criticisms from your best friend or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or any of these things like 
and I find that being the most the worst thing you can possibly do is listen to them too much and uh, not just follow your own kind of instinct and, and follow your own path and um, I think that's the best thing to do you know just just kind of keep going through it and if it uh, if you make mistakes then sometimes they can be the most beautiful things you know count on all men but none too much yes exactly my friend <laughs> yeah another piece of advice that I would have is um, to if you're going to work with people you should work with people that you actually like you know and not people that you think might um, have the right connections or might have the um, you know might have sort of some sort of business skills that will help you out or whatever. Obviously, that that comes into play in some to some degree later on or whatever. But I think building up a team around you of people that you just believe in as people, as human beings, and as friends, and uh, I think that's a huge deal, especially if you're doing something creative, you know, because creativity is playful and it's childish and it's and you need to feel like you're you're in the best humor, even when you're doing really sad things or really depressing things or really um, downbeat emotional things I think you still need to feel childish and playful about it and you need to be able to um, and good people around you helps that happen helps the juices flow And uh, so yeah good people have you ever found that um, you've been in a situation where you could have challenged yourself and you didn't or you did and you felt that you really benefited from that for me um, it's it's all about for me. It's all about the groundwork that you put in. Like I, 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 I never understand in terms of music. Like I don't, I, I, I wouldn't be able to go into a studio like personally and 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 like work stuff out on the spot, um, because I, I kind of, I have this weird kind of OCD thing where <laughs> I get very, very fidgety and stuff if I if I haven't got it to a certain level before bringing it to the band or whatever and before, um. And sometimes that's a problem, like, but most of the time it's actually just really great because it, it, it lets the creativity flow. But it, it also, you have to sacrifice. I guess that's, that's actually one, that's actually a big thing. I think sacrificing certain parts of your life for um, your art uh, is quite important. I think, well, to me it is anyway. Um, and I think it's sort of, I don't know, you know when you make like a, personal Christmas card or something for a friend of yours and, and you give it to them and it feels really really great and, and and really lovely and you've done a little drawing and they really appreciate it because it's handmade and blah 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 I feel like when you're making an album or a song or anything I almost feel like you're doing that for everybody you know then you know so you you deserve the right to disappear for eight months and not answer your phone and um, and it's almost like a um, a pay payback for that, <laughs> giving everybody a present back for being a bit of a shit friend or whatever, you know. Um, but then obviously to take your breaks, you know, that's that's important as well. And um, um, uh, I got a chance to meet um, a couple of really interesting people that I've really looked up to since I was very young. Um, uh, one of them was uh, Ed O'Brien from Radiohead. He came to one of our shows, one of the shows, and afterwards. Uh, he came up to me and he gave me some advice and his advice was um, to just, uh, he, he said, I can tell you've done loads of work and stuff and put loads of work into the arrangements and you're going to do a lot of touring now and you're going to be really, really tired in a year's time. You're going to be absolutely wrecked and you're going to feel like giving up at certain stages. 
but they're the times when you need to actually huddle down and even do more work <laughs> you know he's like you actually just have to work through that and almost to the point of like being sick that's the advice he gave me and I was like okay <laughs> cheers Ed and I'll sort of take that half of that advice and but um you can sort of hear that in their music you know you can hear the obsession and the and the um and they've always been like one of my biggest inspirations from when I was 14 first show I was I ever went to was Radiohead the RDS and yeah. so for him to come and say that was like wow that's yeah. amazing and um, who was the other person you met? Uh, Beck. He was doing um because wow. we did a show. I got a chance to show Beck the chords to one of his songs. He forgot the chords, and I was on stage doing a sound check, and he was like, "What are the chords to the song?" And I, I was showing him <laughs> E minor, G. Hey Beck. Um, that was really strange. Um, he didn't actually give me any advice, but I think he was uh, um. Gave a nice hug at the end of the night. That was that was pretty sweet. That's better than any advice, really, isn't that it? That could be your fourth. A nice hug. Give a hug. <laughs> be nice. That's my last piece of advice. Um, okay. What's the, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, and what's the best thing that's ever happened to you? And what have you learned from both? I think. I mean, I keep repeating myself in interviews that I do, but I think like the, the, I think when you finally learn, when you finally go through stuff in life like really heavy dark things and like um i think you lose your preciousness you lose your kind of idea of like um i need to make this in a certain way so that uh i'm expressing this deep dark thing within me and suddenly you have a deep dark thing happen to you and you, and you realize that expression and music and art and creativity are actually the light things in life. They're the things that keep you floating. So um, even if the if if you want to express something dark or whatever, you, you can approach it with this. I don't know. There's a. I felt like I had a new bounce in my step after, after I'd sort of experienced the, uh, you know, death and 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 ends of relationships and all these terrible things that happen to you in life. And I feel like they can feed into your, into your being in a, in a positive way. You know, the negative things and you can really filter them and use them in, in really kind of uh, humorous ways and really kind of I think comedy I found was one of the strongest things and for me um, uh, the other night I went to see David O'Doherty in Whelan's and um, like I think he I think what he does is infinitely more inspiring than 90% of the gigs I go to because he's his brain is constantly ticking and he's and he's not just, you know, reciting the same song over again and blah, blah, blah. He's, he's almost, to me, he's almost like a jazz musician. Like, you're going to see a jazz musician. He's improvising. Yeah. And and also, his stuff is, um, it's not mean-spirited, you know? Not once does he take the piss out of uh, uh, any sort of minority or anyone's physical discrepancy or anyone's, like, he, well, except his own. That's, you know, he's, in fact, most of the night he was taking the piss out of himself. But it was, by the end of the night, you're you're laughing so much but you've got this sense that you've really learned a lot about his own personal philosophy about life and, and it's very it's very um very peace filled and yeah. very um uh he's he's a very zen dude but he's he's filtering all of his his uh deep dark emotions into this insanely hilarious comedy and I think I'm gonna personally I wanna try and do something similar with music, if even if it doesn't mean ha ha funny. Even if it just means weird, funny, or piecing together words in a strange way, or um, you know all these things, and 
but uh, you're right though that that lightness that's a really good point that idea that like that even the darkest of art does have a deafness of touch and there it goes back to the idea of creativity being playful and, and mm. tapping into a side of you that is that's different to your pragmatic side and your you know your realistic self mm. yeah and i think that the whole idea of being creative for me is like actually taking the stuff that you feel like was always locked inside you and you're saying it in a certain way that anybody can relate to it not just you, you you're the whole plan is that you you piece the words together so that it's just this canvas that people can you know paint their own little picture on or whatever that's it for this week's show massive thanks to Andrea Farrell Colm Keegan and Conor O'Brien for contributing thanks also to the fabulous Ross McCormick for all his help on the sound front if you're liking the podcast and you have a couple of seconds to spare there are a few ways in which you could help us out you can subscribe rate and or comment on iTunes you can tell your friends about it in real life or online your choice we're the weekly GM on Twitter and Facebook we're just the weekly general meeting podcast in real life conversation or if you're on the flusher side of things, you can visit our website, theweeklygm.com, and drop a few pence into our tip jar. It all keeps petrol in the tank. We'll be back next week with episode six. Talk to you then. <laughs>